eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. He is just an obsessive goal scorer. They have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And... I've got a problem with soccer, to be fair. Football. Oh, what a start! What I can guarantee to you is that they want to keep everything secret. Well, producer Des is ready, so you know what time it is. Welcome to House of Champions YouTube friends. Drop in your comments and those questions in the chat and make sure you hammer the like and subscribe buttons. Now, today we are previewing Wednesday's clash between Manchester City and Arsenal, a game that could reignite the Premier League title race or all but end it. Can the Gunners hold their nerve against Pep Guardiola's Manchester machine? We discuss the game and project both teams' results for the rest of the season, and we'll have some time at the end of the show to talk a little bit of Tottenham, we'll talk a little Calcio, and we'll discuss Bayern Munich's latest Bundesliga blunder. Have they given up the title? And how's the champions with us today? We have James Bench, Michael Hood, and Nigel Rio Coker. James Bench, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, I've, I spent most of the weekend sorting my travel out to Manchester, which is um, ruinously expensive for CBS, but that's not my problem. <laughs> uh, I'm staying in a cheap, I'm staying in a hotel by Old Trafford, so doing what I can to save the company money. Um, but really looking forward to this. Certainly the biggest game of the season, the biggest game since those Man City Liverpool games last season. I can hardly wait. Mike, you seem excited. Yeah, well, but anytime anyone says Old Trafford, I get excited, especially after this weekend's results. No, but can't wait. I know, Nigel, I had to dish that one out. Cannot wait for this match. This has been the blockbuster matchup of the season, and now it's here. Nigel Rio Coker, it's not just at the top of the table. This Premier League campaign has been excellent all across the board, top, bottom, and in the middle. The fight for Champions League spots, it's all entertaining. This is what makes the Premier League unarguably the best league and most entertaining league in world football because every game matters. And that's what I love about it. And the fact of, you know, people moan about, oh, it's always the same teams. No, it's not. Newcastle are breaking the curse of getting into that top four. 
you look at the relegation fight, like we've just said, there's about six or seven teams that can possibly go down. And we're talking about big historic clubs with massive fan base. And this is what football fans want to see. You don't want to get to this part of the season. It's only a two horse race to go up and then basically three teams are going down and that's it. And then in between, everything doesn't really matter. This is what we love about it. And I think it's only hopefully going to continue to encourage more competitiveness for next year because it's just taking the Premier League to another level. No doubt about it, Nigel. Well said. And I think we're all very excited about what's taking place tomorrow with Manchester City up against Arsenal. James, I'm coming to you first, obviously, with this one. Arsenal have uh, dropped a few points over the last couple of games, uh, in particular on the road, a couple of draws. Haven't been losing many games. They're difficult to beat, that is for sure. And certainly the heart and determination has got them back into games and managed to get a point from some games where they... They probably deserve to lose. However, picking up a point is a massive point because it still means they've got a big chance of lifting that Premier League title. Of late, what have you noticed from this Arsenal team? Are they feeling a bit of pressure? What have you noticed from their performances being in the stadium? Yeah, it's it's a hard one to fully call. And I thought Jamie Carragher made a really good point, uh, our CBS colleague on Sky, where he um, he sort of said, and I sensed it in the West Ham game, that there was actually a little bit of arrogance um, that when a team plays as well as as Arsenal can play, and certainly played in, in, in some of these games, they actually start to think the job's done. But that wasn't the case against Southampton. I think in that game, they panicked for a moment. It was the first time. Obviously, that's just all comes down from that misplaced pass from Ramsdale. <laughs> actually, and then, you know, going 2-0 down. And actually, they responded pretty well. I know that like 3-3, it's not a great result. It probably will go down as the result where it became apparent they weren't going to win the title. But, you know, that's fighting spirit. That's what you need to show. It's the mark of champions sometimes is getting a point where you don't deserve one or a point where a point looks beyond them. And they were 3-1 down in the 88th minute and they got something. So there is spirit there. There is belief. What there isn't is William Saliba. And that's going to be the real problem that we're going to come on to talk about, no doubt, throughout this pod. The defence was a little bit more shaky after the World Cup with him in it. But without him, everything has changed. They can't defend so high up the pitch with Rob Holding at centre-back. They used to have a sort of sweeper in Saliba and an aggressive defender in Gabriel. Now they have two aggressive front-footed defenders. Uh, Rob Holding can't really pass the ball either very well. So Thomas Partey's um, coming back into centre-back. Everything is kind of being thrown for six. Um, by Saliba's absence and or was it at Mikel Arteta's press uh, a few hours ago and uh, there's no chance he's back tomorrow probably not back against Chelsea quite possibly and probably is what I'm hearing won't play again this season so uh, yeah it's not great news for Arsenal at all yeah, that, that's a massive miss in Saliba. But you see the domino effect that's happening up the field. My eyes are on Thomas Partey. In the last couple matches, he hasn't been the party that we've been used to. Before the last three matches, he was one of the best defensive midfielders. And on this pod, we've talked about, is it he, is it Rodri for the two de- def- best defensive midfielders in the entire Premier League? Rodri has elevated his game. Partey's regressed a bit. And I think it's down to the domino effect that you mentioned of having Saliba out. Self-inflicted wounds, that's what's been Arsenal's demise. Against Liverpool, self-inflicted wounds in terms of positioning. Against West Ham, Partey gives up the ball and it ends up in a Paqueta PK. Against Bournemouth, it's Ramsdale, self-inflicted wounds left and right. If you are Arsenal and you're going to the Etihad, you have to get that out of your system. And I I like the fact that they got the draw, the character that that builds, but you cannot come from behind. You cannot be in the deficit that you've been in in the last match and expect to get a result against Manchester City. Mm -hmm. 
I'll have to say for me, I just want to add two things. I think the one thing that I would say is I disagree with Jamie Carragher in a sense of uh, saying arrogance, James, because for me, you talk about Jamie Carragher who played for Liverpool. We played against them many times and they were very arrogant. So don't give me that arrogance one. I like probably, arrogance. Probably the most arrogant, really, that Liverpool team, wasn't it, Nigel? Pardon? Probably the most arrogant I've seen. Yeah, exactly. Any player who played for Liverpool, they were super arrogant. They felt that they were going to win every game. So don't give me that arrogance talk because to be a champion and to be a team that wins the Premier League, you need that arrogance. You need that belief in yourself. I so I don't dis I disagree to that. I think my think take on this is the squad. The squad comes into question. Like you said about how important Saliba is. The difference between Arsenal and Manchester City is next man steps up for Manchester City. Their squad is good enough to compete in the Premier League and finish in the top four. The players on the bench. That's how much strength and depth Manchester City have. Arsenal don't have that. Instead of saying arrogance, I would say what Arsenal's problem was, they slightly got distracted. There was a lack of focus because... When you have that focus and you have that strength in depth, you concentrate on yourself. You have that tunnel vision of next game, next game, next game. That's what Arsenal didn't have. And then slowly as results went one way or the other, draws, you start creeping into, oh my God, Man City are coming up behind us. All the press is coming and everything like that. If Arsenal stayed focused on their task in hand, and that comes from, and I'm not blaming Arteta at all. I think he's done a tremendous job. If they can stay focused on themselves and stop worrying, they probably would have gone on to get the other results. I think that a bit of outside influences and noise in Manchester City's form and how they're playing came into that. And that's when doubt started to come in this Arsenal team. And that's just my opinion in, in why I feel went wrong. I, I actually, Nigel's really taught me around there. And I think he makes a good point both. And, and you can almost combine them, the points about the strength and depth and the mentality. Because I think if you go back to that Southampton game, Granite Xhaka is absolutely exudes a confidence going on to cockiness. And when Arsenal are playing this well, that's no bad thing. The problem is, you know, if if a Granite Xhaka goes out for, you know, if Gundogan goes out for City, they'll move Bernardo in or they'll bring in yeah. some other elite level player. Um, Arsenal brought in Victorian chimney sweep. Fabio Vieira, who, and this is the thing is, I think the first 11, the first 12 or 13. Wait, did you just call it a Victorian <laughs> chimney sweeper? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. man. I'm, he's, he, I'm so happy you He does not look like an, an athlete. Um, I mean, and so, to an extent, this is sort of, you know, Arteta does have other options, but doesn't always make the right call. But, you know, he, he does not have the arrogance of that first 11 that blitz the Premier League. He in that game was showing for not the ball or he was showing for a different ball um, because he doesn't have that confidence. He's not part of the winning machine fully. It's really hard. I don't know if as a manager, if it's even possible to kind of in, imbue your fringe players with that, but it's just what Nigel said. And it sounds like Jack, my, my understanding, my expectation is that Jack will be back, even though Arteta said he was a doubt, those sorts of players can sort of win you titles, but your reserves, they just don't have that title winning nice. Yeah, and I think the biggest show, James, is for me, William Saliba. William Saliba, when he plays, he plays at the game at a different level in the sense of great football intelligence. He is such a leader in that back line that everyone else raises their game. They have that extra confidence because they know he's playing. That's what some vital players do. We saw it with the arrival of Van Dijk, being able to push Liverpool over that line and Alisson to win the Premier League title after how many years. That's how influential Saliba has been for Arsenal. We're seeing now when he's not playing, that back four is not the same. Gabriel or Van Dijk, Dijk this season. Yeah, or Van Dijk as well. So 
So that's what I'm saying. So that's the big problem that you've got. But Manchester City probably is the only team in the Premier League, like James said, one person goes out, next one comes in. They're just at that same level. And yep. they're just so, how would I say, focused on knowing what they have to do at Manchester City, which is constantly winning football matches. So I think for me, more than anything, it's just that slightly strength of depth that hasn't been there for Arsenal, especially for their vital signings. When they're missing, they're not the same team. Mm-hmm. Knowing that Rob Holding has struggled with the partnership with Gabriel, James, Nigel, question for you as well. Ian, if you're Mikel Arteta, is this a match where you might move Ben White into center back and maybe reshuffle the pack? Or do you keep it the way you've been, you've gotten to this point, and see where the chips fall? I mean, we've been, talk- we've been talking about this a lot in the in the Arsenal pack, and we talk about this press conference. The challenge is you don't just get to shuffle Ben White to centre-back, and he is brilliant at right-back. You then are going to have to find someone to play at right-back, um, and Takahiro Tomiyasu is injured, so pretty much the only senior option you have there is Thomas Partey, and then that means moving Jorginho into midfield, and then you've compromised a lot of your team to get rid of Rob Holding. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be averse to doing that, but you have to know what you're doing then. And that is, you know, that is blowing up your whole team because you don't trust Rob Holding. That's a big risk. The biggest thing you've got to look at for this, Michael, uh, and everyone is the fact of, yes, you're playing Man City, you've got going against Haaland. I think for me, you have to put your most alert and intelligent centre-back to say you have to be around Haaland. Like Haaland is your man today. And it becomes a more individual matchup than a big tactics thing. Because if you don't have a centre-back playing that can compete physically with Haaland, but also has the football intelligence to be aware, like, where is he? Where is he? Just because he's not near you doesn't mean he's a, he's not a danger. Like knowing his presence in the box and how he plays, it becomes more individual. I think it has to become that way in the sense of how big this game is. It becomes really individual and it's about winning individual battles all over the pitch. This is Arsenal's cup final. Yeah, I think we've, we've all kind of heard that that tone before where knowing your role is going to come into play massively there. And James just pointed out that if you move one player and you're trying to you know have this little domino effect around the team, it's also so, so, so important to make sure that the fullbacks recognize their duty to support the center backs in this position. Yeah. And then you yeah. talked about Partey in midfield, like the center of that midfield supporting the center backs with Erling Haaland and Kevin De Bruyne, how important that's going to be to make sure they all stay as a unit, obviously recognizing how dangerous Erling Haaland is and then how dangerous Manchester City perform. You know, we've all talked about Manchester City and... Um, I think we recognize that they they might be up there with one of the most entertaining teams to watch right now. And it doesn't matter who plays. They could drop players out, put another one in, and nothing really changes. It just continues to go. It's like a train. It's a machine right now. Um, But Nigel, obviously from your experience playing in big games when it comes to the Premier League with pressure, and Pep Guardiola also is going to feel pressure going into this game because this is a bloody good Arsenal team that could go there. And we have seen it before where Manchester City, even though not of late, where they have been on a very good winning run, they have conceded first goals. They have gone in at halftime where they've been in a draw. They have gone in in games where they've had to really show their best. And maybe they need to show their best once again to beat this Arsenal. I disagree with you. And I think Pep Guardiola will probably be laughing and very happy because the points that Arsenal have dropped, he knows the title is his. He doesn't have to put tremendous pressure on his players. As long as they don't lose, Manchester City will win the league title. That's what Pep's saying. I think for me, he'll probably be taking the pressure off his players and saying, just go out there and play football. Because it's more on Arsenal than it is on them. And I just feel that um, it's going to be a great game and more pressure and burden lies on Arteta than it does on Pep. You know, playing 
in that second place catching up, I feel is easier than being in Arsenal's position. You know, and I think the games that have gone before have been Arsenal's downfall more so than anything else. And the worst thing that Arsenal can do is go there playing on emotions and leave themselves vulnerable. Do Arsenal have the capability in players to win? Yes. Will they win? I find it very unlikely to see that happening just because of the form that City are in right now and also because of the problem at centre-back that Arsenal face. And you're facing mm-hmm. probably one of the world's greatest strikers in Erling Haaland right now. And that kid is always hungry to score goals. Mm-hmm. And for him to score goals against Arsenal and maybe take Manchester City top of the league and win the Premier League, that's all that kid is focused on. And it's great to see. And for Pep, it'll be great to have a player like that. You don't have to do it because Alan is going to be on a mission. And the problem is right now is how Arsenal will be able to maintain that. But like James said, you can move party in there. You can twinkle the midfield again because Arsenal do have Saka. And if... Um, oh gosh, what's his name? It's just got my bloody head now. Uh, Jesus Martinelli. and P- Martinelli, Martinelli play as well. Uh, They've got you. pace. And if one problem causes Manchester City problems, it's pace when that ball is turned around. If you get that ball to Jorginho, he has the ability to make those passes and cause problems for Arsenal to be a real counter-attacking threat. Yeah, I'm I'm so glad that you're giving Martinelli his dues because he has been in fuego since the World Cup. New contract, Gabriel Jesus out. He stepped up. And in the last couple of games, what hasn't gone right defensively has gone right offensively well for him. Look for him to be a factor. Can't sleep on Jack Grealish as well. He scored five goals, league goals this season. Three of them have been against Manchester United, Arsenal, and Liverpool. This guy's becoming a big game player. And on the other side of the ball, Manuel Akanji. That 1v1 battle between he and Martinelli, Akanji playing in that back three, if he shifts out and becomes that right back, for Arsenal, if Martinelli can get the better of him, then it's advantage Arsenal. But if Akanji keeps Martinelli at bay, then I think Man City will win. All right, great stuff, boys. That's brilliant. I mean, obviously, I'm excited for the game. I think we're all very excited. I haven't had to say too much in this first segment. We're already 60 minutes in, and neither of you, all three of you, haven't shut up. So it's great to know that we've got a massive game on our hands here, and I don't have to say too much. Um, on the other side of the break, we're going to turn our attention to what our projections will be, obviously, results-wise, and how we see the season playing out for both of these two giants. And also, we'll get an opinion from James on uh, the other side of the pitch uh, for the Gunners as well. So stick around. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. men's national team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time. 
just like me, and also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Fiore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger, and don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com sports. That's V-U-O-R-I.com sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. James Benz, you had to sit there and take a little bit of heat there, obviously, with us talking about Manchester City, but you wanted to add a little bit more about Arsenal on the other end of the pitch. Uh, all that heat is is totally valid, and I think I was offering as much of it as anyone else. And <laughs> the one thing I would point out is the real quality and character of Arsenal's attack. I know that you know uh, Nigel and Mike were mentioning Martinelli there, who has been wonderful, and you can say the exact same of Bukayo Saka. These are two players oh, that that really deliver at the biggest moments. And look, it was really interesting. Colo Torre um, actually compared Bukayo Saka to Michael Jordan in the week, which you think is absolutely mad until you remember, you know, Jordan wasn't always Michael's six champions Jordan. He was a player that had to go through a lot of hardship to get there. And I think maybe we're seeing that, you know, Saka is relishing the challenge of having the team on his shoulders at a very young age. And he continues to deliver in big moments maybe needs a supporting cast around him to go to superstar title winning best player in the league, but that's within his capabilities. And if Nathan Ake is injured, which we think he might be, he could run absolutely riot. Um, and then the only other thing I would say is everyone talks about city strength in depth because Arsenal do not have that in defense and they do not have that in midfield, but they do have it in attack. They, they have Leandro Trossard will probably come off the bench. I think, Magnificent, one of the signings of the season. And if Arsenal won the title, he would be the signing of the season. Um, Reese Nelson, not too bad either. Just imagine Eddie if you got Modric, James, instead. <laughs> <laughs> if only. Yeah, I think it's been proven. Right? Not, I mean, if it was Modric, that would be great, but anyone but Modric. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's been proven, James, with the attack and uh, the, the weapons that they do have at their disposal when one falls out, obviously with the injury to Jesus and then how Arsenal really stepped up in his absence. And they were fun to watch, man. Even without Jesus up there, man, oh man, they were just so electrifying to watch uh, going forward. Okay, we have uh, obviously got a lot of comments coming in here. I'm going to jump to a few of them before we get into our predictions as to how we see the season finishing out here. Um, Ali A, clearly very excited about this game. Let's go Arsenal. Please beat Manchester City. Nigel with the hate. Arsenal have been complacent and are an emotional. Uh, it showed in the Liverpool game. How am I hating? I'm just trying to understand. How am I hating? I'm just speaking the truth. Nigel, it, Nigel. Are we, are we in a society now where the truth is too hard to swallow? <laughs> Nigel, we also know why you don't have social media because of your quick reactions. Let's turn to Vic. Vic says, when you replace Saliba and Rob, uh, Rob uh, bombing holding, they were thinking about City before Wednesday's game. They lost focus. He also said, no Tommy Asso, hence White cannot play as that centre-back, no squad depth. Vic, you, you seem like a coach. You seem like you've been coaching a little bit. You're always jumping in here with the Chelsea comments. We love to hear that. <laughs> Kieran Tierney has played at left centre-back before. That comes in from Ed. Gabriel versus Haaland. <laughs> Good luck. I, this is... Uh, this I saw this comment and thought this is absolute nonsense. Harland's been, uh, Gabriel's been the best centre-back. He's been better than William Saliba. Best centre-back in the Premier League this season has been Gabriel because mm. he covers the whole left flank. 
Zinchenko goes wandering into midfield. That's a James that's a bold call. Gabriel that's a bold call. call. I have to disagree with yeah, you. Yeah. I'll tell you this now, James. If I was a captain still playing in this league in this game right now and I had a decent striker, do you know what I tell my striker? Play on Gabriel. He is going to make a mistake. He's going to do something that will give you an opportunity. He will always make a mistake in 90 minutes or let someone in. Gabriel is still too rash. Doesn't play at a calm level. Still too emotionally involved every game he plays in that he'll make you a mistake. That's just my opinion. But yeah, that's what I, I would I'm going to back Gabriel. that up, Nigel. I'm going to back that up. I think what we've seen, the improvement from Gabriel has been because of the presence of Saliba. Oh, Saliba. You take Saliba out, and the first thing you see is a rash challenge Wait. on Lucas Paqueta against West Ham. This but Mike, is, that, wasn't a, that was not hit. That, no, that's not a good a, one, but okay, James. No, but what it, about the other one? Field, but it was a rash challenge. We've seen it before. I don't want to cut you off. What about the other one against Southampton? Theo Wilcott's run and Gabriel's running backwards. Not, not, you know how quick Theo Wilcott is. You know, he didn't I mean, even look like he knew where the ball was or where Theo was. I don't want to break down tape here, but go look there <laughs> that one and uh, look how far behind the line Rob Holding is. He's about 10 foot behind the line. I mean, obviously he doesn't like Gabriel's not playing as well with Saliba, but um, <laughs> like without Saliba, but like the drop off has been spectacular. <laughs> James, I'm going to come back to you because Jack, uh, Max jumped in and he said, Arteta has been excellent, but is guilty of overplaying the likes of Saka and Odegaard, in my opinion. Very fair comment from Matt. Also, this one I think is directed at you as well, James. Ed says, oh, here we go again. Now Saka's the next Jordan. Really, <laughs> this overhyping of Arsenal players is part of the problem with the club's mentality. Got caught up in their hype and now they're paying for it. James, we'll let you have the final word before we do get to our uh, predictions and projections for the way the season yeah I mean opinion, not mine and I think it's always important to remember you can draw comparisons without saying that Bukayo Saka is going to be the greatest player, footballer of all time in the same way that Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time um, this overhyping of Arsenal players uh, it only ever seems to be noticed by supporters of rival teams in much the same way that Arsenal supporters uh, <laughs> with them um, always seem to think that Harry Kane's overhyped and abs- they talk absolute nonsense when they say that um, yeah, but Kyo Saka's not overhyped. He's um, one of the best players in the league. I like that, James. I respect yeah, that. And yeah. I'm backing James up. Any comments about Saka, keep it to yourself because this kid has been absolutely sensational. If you look at his age and the size of the club and the consistency, you got to give credit when credit's due. Been phenomenal. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, let's take a look at the fixtures between now and the end of the season, if we may. Now, um, Mike, I want you to jump in real quickly on the fixtures, if that's okay with you, because I want to see where you think that maybe Arsenal could slip up between now. Obviously, we recognize that um, they're not all easy games here. Away to Newcastle, home to Chelsea. I mean, this is a tough run in here for Gunners. Yeah, I'm keeping my eye on that Newcastle match. I've been there as a United fan suffering that blow, the 2-0 blow. I think that that is a trap game. And do not sleep on Brighton. Watch them at the FA Cup. Those two back-to-back matchups, those are tricky coming off the heels of City. Chelsea at home, I think they'll blow passing. But Chelsea, sorry, Vic, have been that bad throughout this season. But those two matches, circle them on the calendar for Arsenal fans. You are going to be sweating through the course of both 90 minutes. James, you want to react to that real quickly? Yeah, no, I, I agree with a lot of my, what Mike's saying. The one thing I would say about that Newcastle game, the fact that it was by far and away Arsenal's worst night of last season when they lost 2-0 and everything fell apart and they blew top four. I think Mikel Arteta has proven he's a coach that gets reactions in circumstances like that. So that's why I've got the 
the win at Newcastle, but I think that will be followed by a defeat to Brighton because Brighton will have a lot to play for. They're an excellent team uh, and Arsenal aren't quite perfect. And so that's kind of how I ended up on my 88 points and, and I, I know what's coming. Um, but I mean, yeah, like, like Mike says, I think you can write in Chelsea's three points um, and it really could, if they, even if they get a good result, it could all come down to the Newcastle and Brighton games. Nigel, as you can tell, I clearly don't have much faith in the way Arsenal finish this season. What are your thoughts on the way they'll finish? You've got <laughs> that. <laughs> nice oh, wow. um, no, honestly, I, I think for me, like I, the, the Newcastle and the Brian one will be the two stickiest and toughest ones. I think Newcastle's emphatic win against Tottenham has taken them to another level in confidence and belief. And they will want to finish the, the season strong. Coming up against Arsenal, I think that's just going to be going to St. James's Park, especially how they're feeling now. Wow. Talk about atmosphere. It's going to be absolutely a big problem. And I think you've got to give credit to Joe Linton and um, what's his other? What's, I see so many footballers. I have to remember the names of it. Callum Wilson. Apes me. Callum, no, not Callum Wilson. Joe Will- Jacob uh, Murphy. Joe Willock. No, the other one. Grim no, Gimeresh. Sorry, Gimeresh. Oh, yeah, yeah Gimeresh. Yeah. yeah. So you've got to look at them two right now. They're playing sensational. I love the pairing of them in midfield and how they play. It just reminds me a bit of old school. Like one man does the defending job, the other one gets forward. It's just great to watch. And Brighton, they're one of the best teams to watch in the Premier League. I think anyone who really is a real football fan, I don't care what team you support, you have to say Brighton have been one of the best teams this year in the Premier League to watch the style of football play, the excitement. If they had a striker, Oof. Brighton would finish top four this season. If they had a, a real clinical striker, Brighton would have finished top four. Um, Can I just want to, I just want to point out a uh, comment from Vic, who I don't often agree with, but I do in regards to Ian's predictions here. I'm looking at Ian and Vic has really hit the nail on the head here. He's got Chelsea scoring two goals. I can't believe anyone could predict Chelsea to score two goals the rest of this whole season, let alone in one game at the Emirates. No chance. Yes, but James, on the other hand, Rafa jumped in and Rafa's just said, I'm with Ian. They're dropping points in almost every single game. Appreciate you, Rafa. Thanks for tuning in. Well, Ian, how funny would it be, though, if Aubameyang actually oh, gets the start for Chelsea? No, he, would lo- he would love that. <laughs> That'd be massive. He hasn't played for 12 months. Um, hey. It's Arsenal's own teammate. He could stop it to Arteta really and truly. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if Frank does that just out of reverse psychology may, may and do. starts yeah. him and Aubameyang scores. That would be funny. Yeah. I mean, it would be funny. It would be, well, probably not for Gunners fans, but it would definitely be an interesting <laughs> story. That's for sure. Let's turn our attention to Manchester City between now and the end of the season. Obviously, I want to I, I want to just basically kind of point out that Manchester City are the team to beat. So when you look at my predictions, you can understand why. Um, But Mike, I'm going to come to you first here because you've got them finishing with the least amount of points here from all of us. Yeah, I looked at the schedule and given their run in Europe, this is assuming that they get past Real Madrid and get to the Champions League final, assuming that they did what they did at the weekend, get to the FA Cup final. They have a game pretty much every three, four, sometimes five days. And they have the depth, but they will continue to play. They have to play Erling Holland, Kevin De Bruyne, their best 11 against Real Madrid. They will continue to see the wear and tear of that starting 11 going down to the wire. And I could just see the Brighton game, the Brentford game. I could see those as trap games, especially that Brentford game. They already slipped up against Brentford at home. I just wonder if that's the game where we look at and say, okay, they just got over the line in the end. 
James, your thoughts on these predictions here? I'll run them through. Total points, James has 90. Fabrizio has 92. JJ has 92. I have 92. 94 for Nigel. And Michael with 89. James, your overall thoughts? I think uh, Mike's really hit the nail on the head there. And it's basically just what you think the trap games are going to be. And I don't yeah. know what it is about Sean Dyche that has convinced me that he his team will, possibly by putting all 11 players in the goal net, will simply not concede against man city that aside like I, I do agree with i do agree with mike that it it might be there might be some hard games in there but also it's city and i mean i've got them dropping four points between i mean we say that mike's been harsh he's got them dropping five points between now and the end of the season um i've got them dropping four like you know and these That's are the games ludicrous <laughs> nigel i uh, may I, I just can't see it i see a focus city <laughs> I just can't see it. I see a focus city. You look at their run-ins. There ain't really, to the, the, I'll probably say one of the most difficult games might be Brighton, might be Brentford. But let's realise this from a tactical, tactical standpoint. This isn't the city of old, of Pep Guardiola with his false nine and no one that's an aerial threat. This is an evolution of city where no matter how many people they put behind the ball, they can change and mix their game up and get the ball out wide. Kevin De Bruyne looks up and whips a ball in for an Erling Haaland coming in with a header. That's the different tactics that they can do in all these fixtures. And as much as Sean Dice might try and frustrate them, you're not going to be able to defend great crosses, well, world-class crosses from a Kevin De Bruyne finding Erling Haaland. And it's just a different city you're facing now. You don't have to worry about this false nine and this repetitiveness of system play. Erling Haaland gives them that X factor. I feel there's more real banana slips in Arsenal's fixtures and also because of their current run of form there's that fragileness in the mentality creeping in at Arsenal. All right, let's have a look at our predictions. Obviously, as you gather from the points that we put out there, sorry to all the listeners there, I didn't mention the points for the Arsenal um, rundown. Um, but the Premier League title predictions from every single one of us, James, Fabrizio, JJ, myself, Nigel and Mike, Manchester City across the board. James, you really believe that? Yeah, 100%. I think, if anything, I might have been a bit generous to Arsenal. I think I think the bigger question is is sort of like what was it ever possible like you know is it is it is the are the standards that city have set and we have to say the standards that city have set with the backing of a oil superpower were they ever achievable for this Arsenal team um and I think that's kind of where I fall down on the side of no um you know the Southampton result was a really bad one but before then it felt like the title was slipping away and it felt like that because they drew at Anfield and drew at West Ham. Now, not the West Ham of seasons gone by. But still, I remember, and, and Nigel, I have no doubt it was the same when you were playing in the Premier League. Absolutely no. The, the team that was top of the table, absolutely no problem getting a point at Anfield, no problem getting a point at West Ham, and you could still win the league. You know, yeah. draws are the, are the new defeats in the Premier League right now. Yeah. City have set a level that is unachievable your only hope of winning the Premier League title is that Man City have an off year um Arsenal's only hope is that Pep Guardiola retires that's kind of that's the impossible level that 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 they've set right now I think quickly let me jump in I'll just say I agree but I just think that for me it's the fact of City have built something I I think we need to give credit to Mikel Arteta what he's done at Arsenal and if he's given more time and more resources give him another year or two Arsenal could be on the same level as City. If they can really get the right players in, the recruiting has been great. The problem why Arsenal haven't been in this situation for so long time is because the recruiting has been so poor. 
lack of direction, lack of real football knowledge. Arteta's installed all of this. Give him another year or two. He can build something like what Manchester City have, where Arsenal have a, a tremendous squad to compete on all levels. So you got to, you, everything takes time. That's just the reality. Not every club or manager is going to give you time. The only club that's beyond the club that's an establishment is Real Madrid, where they already do yeah. their own recruiting. You come in and manage. But other clubs yeah. could be built like this. Yeah, we also we also have to keep in mind, just very quick for me, the the a big reason why we saw reverse and kind of detriment to Arsenal and depreciation, they've sold their best players over the last, what, 15 years. That is not what the Arsenal, the title challengers, were doing. They were retaining best players. They had a core. Now they have it more. again. Yeah, now they have it again with a core of young players who are Arsenal through and through, adding talent bit by bit. They did it in the transfer window. I cannot wait to see them now take the next step, regardless of what they do in the Premier League run-in. I cannot wait to talk about them. I cannot wait to see them next season in the Champions League, and we'll be able to do that here on House of Champions. Ed jumping in and saying Pep spoke to NRC before he gave his final predictions this season, clearly having a conversation with a former Premier League man. Uh, BX Gunner 81, I see Manchester City dropping two to maybe three points. Rafa, of course it's possible. Arsenal pissed away three winnable games in a row. Christian saying City is becoming the Bayern Munich of the EPL. In case you didn't notice, Christian, there's a title race in the Bundesliga. There's a title race in the Premier League. Okay, we're going to turn our attention to Tottenham Hotspur when we come back after the break and we'll wrap up the show with our final thoughts. Stick around. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the House of Champions, everybody. You enjoy Nigel Rio Coker, James Bench, and Michael LaHood. Uh, let's turn our attention to Tottenham, who fired uh, Christian Stellini yesterday. Fired, relieved him of his duties, basically got rid of him, kicked him out the door, whatever you want to think about it. Not much time in charge of the football club. James, I'll come to you, obviously, working around that region. Um, real interesting thoughts on, um, especially from Chairman Daniel Levy this morning, his comments. It was really interesting to see this decision, but it's probably the right decision to get rid of uh, Stellini and give the club a, still a chance to try and get into a top four finish, or, is it, or am I wrong here? I don't think it's about a top four finish. That's gone. That went, with that, that went in the first 20 minutes at Newcastle. Um, <laughs> frankly... I don't think it's. I think this is about a top seven finish and, and getting any form of European football. They've got to play Manchester United on Thursday. I'll be at that. Um, and Liverpool on Sunday. That you would think they would get lapped by Liverpool, uh, who have games in hand. So to Brighton, so they would overtake them. They've got Villa on the thirteenth as well, and that's enough teams to send them out of Europe. Um, and look, it, it just was not working with Stealing. He, he was too tied to Conte's methods. Um, 
I don't particularly know why they think it will work with Ryan Mason, who's got charge until the end of the season. I think maybe the best thing for them is to end up out of Europe. That'll be the, only the second time in 17 years, it has to be said. Um, and to completely start this whole project afresh, to have some really grown-up conversations with Kane, Son, anyone that's interested in leaving, um, and kind of take it this right back down to foundations. I mean, frankly, players like Christian Romero, I've never seen a more... I don't know what you guys thought watching it, I thought he, um, I thought it was lazy, and I really am conscious of not using words like that generally because I, I think it's very hard. No, to you know can. Players' heads. You can. No, it was lazy. Lie. He didn't give a damn. He did not yeah. give a damn. Didn't look and there like are so many players there. that played like that. Yeah, and have played his like head that. was elsewhere. Hundred percent. So quick on him. I, I'm so glad you mentioned Romero. Since the World Cup triumph of the Argentina, he's looked like a player whose head has been elsewhere. Hasn't looked like the same Romero, who's had the bite last season, thought he was such a difference to that back line for Tottenham Hotspurs and that top four finish. I know Harry Kane, Yinman Song doing the business up front, but Spurs, they were difficult to play against in the run-in last season. This season, since he's got that shiny medal, he's in, he's still in Buenos Aires celebrating, you know, with Messi, celebrating Emmy Martinez. I wish I could stand up and do the Emmy Martinez thing, but I'd probably get fired. But that's a bit for me. What about your own Martinez that plays for your Man United that you love so much? He's still celebrating too, right? He's gone back in the what? treatment room celebrating, <laughs> he's isn't he? He was, he's been decent. <laughs> I know, but he's still celebrating. Anyway, he's Ian. In, he's in rehab in Argentina right now. <laughs> Tottenham, for me, is laughable. And it's just great to watch. I'm sorry. It really is great to watch because I think this decision right now just shows where Tottenham are at. I just don't understand why you would have kept him on after you sacked Conte, knowing how close they are to management, it makes no sense. Make that decision from them. I think yeah. them sacking him now is just a cop-out for how much of a lack of direction there's a belief in these players. People are saying, oh, they blame, they blame Conte. They, but no, I believe now the blame needs to be at Levy. Levy, for me, has been the problem at Tottenham now for so long because it's always been about financial gain for Tottenham more so than winning trophies. I remember when at one point Tottenham had one of the best models in the Premier League. They used to buy the best British players, keep them compete, be successful and sell them on for a huge profit. I'm talking about the times when they used to get Tom Hoddleston, Aaron Lennon, Michael Carrick, and then sold him on Jermaine Defoe. They used to buy the best. That was a great model. And for some reason, they went away from that. And then the managers that they were getting in wanted more complete and ready players. And it just hasn't been the same for Tottenham. They went away from a model that was very good, very sustainable and very profitable to them where you still felt that only maybe one or two players away from it. All of that's changed. And I'm not surprised when you look at Tottenham right now where they're standing. And then again, where's the next generation of players coming through? The, the squad is getting older. How long is this rebuilding process going to be? When you look at the likes of comp competing against Brighton, Newcastle and all these other clubs that are already kind of above them. Tottenham's mm -hmm. been a joke. Great leadership always comes from up top. And if you want to compare it, you look at Brighton. You don't hear too much about the Brighton chairmans or anything like that. There's a philosophy. They get the manager in place. They let the manager manage. The mentality that's been created in that Tottenham dressing room has been facilitated by up top. Everything that Conte said about the dressing room, the mentality in that fight, that was shown against Newcastle. That's just mm -hmm. the reality. But other great that. clubs that run well, starts from up top, and that managers manage, let directors of football be directors of football. Tottenham's always had shady characters, shady people, and that's the reason why they're in right now. 
There's a great statement being released by Tottenham chairman Daniel Levy to the fans after the decision to sack Christian Stellini. Fabrizio Romano posting it this morning. Uh, Sunday's performance against Newcastle was wholly unacceptable. It was devastating to see. He went on to say, we can look at many reasons why it happened. And whilst myself, the board, the coaches and players must all take their collective responsibility, ultimately the responsibility is mine. Christian Stellini will leave his current role alongside his coaching staff. Christian stepped in at a difficult point in our season. James, um, obviously Daniel Levy has to take responsibility this was obviously nice from the players as well you can let everybody know about that yeah I mean it's never a great uh, game when you come out of it with more statements issued to the supporters than you do goals or points um, so the support the, the supporters uh, or the players have said this is from the players this one as a squad we understand your frustration your anger it wasn't good enough we know words aren't enough in situations like this but believe us a defeat like this hurt I mean <laughs> Uh, and then goes on like this. Well, thanks for your support. Um, and we would like to reimburse fans with the cost of their match tickets from St. James's Park. And look, it's a good gesture. You know, it is it is better than nothing. <laughs> Equally, I don't think fans really want a refund. I mean, by the way, it's, it's at most 30 quid for an away ticket uh, to a Premier League game. Getting from London to Newcastle is far 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 more than 30 pounds uh, and that's if you don't have to stay over which based on british trains on a sunday you probably do um inflation but it just inflation's high <laughs> it's just like they don't want you to give them their money back they want you the, the supporters want you to play good football play with passion and play with pride and you know they're more than you know then they're more than happy to spend their money it's not about like reimbursing because also they know that 30 quid, however much this is going to cost each player, it's chump change. It doesn't really affect, it doesn't really deal with what the problem is. Words Jim. for me play a small part. Sorry, Ian. I was just going to say, words for me play a small part. I'm all about the action. And I understand what James said, but I'm all about the action. We've seen this before, blah, blah, blah. And the fact of you saying that the, the performance is unacceptable and obviously the manager now has become a scapegoat because he's not there no more. I had a friend of mine who was at the game standing there and he said Scalini was screaming at the players and the players were just ignoring him. He was being ignored by the players. So how much of that is a responsibility to the manager or to the players? And also, whose responsibility is it that the players are in this situation where clearly they're not listening or respecting the manager? Who put him in position right now? To Who put him in that position to be there and take over? So... It's just common sense tells you where the blame really needs to lie. And now all these ticket gestures, it's just all a lot of cobblers, mate. Man, I tell you what, working in Major League Soccer for a weekend has got you fired up, Nigel Real Coker. Oh, Ian, piss off. Piss <laughs> off. Uh, James, I'll tell you what, um, your audio is dreadful today. It looks like your internet signal or something like that is jumping in and out. If you need a speed dial from the Best Buy guys, let me know. All right, I'll send them on a plane. So I didn't to have to talk about Copper Italia. <laughs> Feel free to jump out here. I'm going to hang out with the other boys while we discuss it. But thanks for everything, James. And really, really uh, enjoy the game tomorrow as well. Copa Italia, Inter against Juve coming up. It's tied 1-1. Um, obviously, good to see Romelu Lukaku back involved. And um, of course, the decision was the common sense decision, Mike, to get him back involved in this game. Your thoughts on the game and also that decision to get a big run back? 
Yeah, I, I think it's the fairest decision. I was going to be incensed if out of everything that happened that he was going to be punished. I said it on Twitter. I thought it was ridiculous. But now the focus can get back to what's happening on the pitch. This is an intriguing tie. These are two teams that's having success in Europe. Juve just cast their ticket to the Europa League semifinals while Inter doing the unthinkable, playing well in cup competitions. I think this is an Inter team. I give them the slight edge because what they're back at home and they've slowly started finding form. And I think it's going to be behind the play of Andre Onana. Once again, he will have to be very good between the sticks to keep out a Juventus side that do have match winners within their side. Keep an eye on Federico Chiesa. I thought he was a bit of a standout at the weekend against Napoli. Ridiculous finish to that match. Very quick on that. Napoli get the one nil win, but Chiesa he had that little dink, had that little bit of just special quality where he can have that individual moment of brilliance to unlock a back four or back five. That one, go ahead, Nigel. No, go ahead. <clears throat> I say that game's coming up tomorrow, 3 p.m. Uh, Eastern on Paramount Plus. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I just thought of a song for Ona. Oh, Nana, what's his name? Oh, Nana, what's his name? That would be a great song for him, innit? For the fans. Now, um, I've common sense to bring Lukaku back in, Ian. But my thing is this it's going to encourage the idiots to come out again because they're not going to change. I'm sure they're going to try and racially abuse him, which is going to mirror this tie. But um, I, it's going to, it's just an interesting one for me. I just don't think sometimes with Juventus now in this current form, you just never know what you're going to get from them. And then yeah. now you're starting to think about Inter as well. How much have they got an eye for the semifinals of the Champions League for the Milan derby for that? So it, it, it's a difficult tie to really call. And I feel it can go either way because Juventus do have the ability and the talent to turn over, uh, to, to turn up and win this game. So uh, it's a difficult one, difficult one for me to call. I would probably give the edge to Juventus just because I feel that Inter will be concentrating more and have that eye on the semifinals of the Champions League more so than this. Mm-hmm. Uh, producer Des jumping in to let us all know that 171 Juventus supporters have been banned so everybody knows out there because of this um, situation that took place 171 fans <laughs> it's nice. just an, it's absolutely a they could make it 175 they could make it 250 no it could go to 1000 no, yeah. you know what's going to make a statement 171 that's the number how, how did they get there though how did they get yeah, there sir. did they go back and look at the footage and went oh yeah there he is <laughs> His lips, his lips them. are moving. Yep, they probably in there. They probably use the formula how they do the projected goals and stuff like that with that stats and okay, oh, with all the expectations that yeah. formula. Yeah. Expect what expected racists in the stadium at <laughs> yes, 171. <laughs> Let's use that as our formula to to, to ban certain number of. You know fans. what? That there might be a new column. I think we need to start that up on House of Champions. Jeez. Uh, Let's. We need, uh, start, we need to start the after dark episodes where we can tell some real. Mm-hmm stories about dressing rooms and stuff like Producer that. Producer Des is working on it here. Yeah. He's working on it. He's been saying that for the last two years. It's like bloody being at Chelsea, isn't it? We're working on it. We're working on it. Come on, Des. He's, he's Irish-Spanish, all right? He's in siesta mode right now. Give him a break, boy, all right? <laughs> Mate, I don't know what he is. He's like you. How many passports you got? Uh, he's, he's, he's pissed at the athletic match over the weekend. Uh, we got we to gotta get out of here. That was a good game, by the way. We got to get out of here. Uh, but real quickly, before we do, Mike, just to, to you both here, uh, 
it looks like we got a Bundesliga title race. And just for our one follower who mentioned it, um, I just want to mention real quickly that uh, the Bundesliga title race is an absolute banger because Borussia Dortmund are now back at the top of the table here. And it uh, looks like they could uh, win the title or will they absolutely F this up once again? Just want to remind you here, Mike, Dortmund are at Bochum. They're at home to Wolfsburg. They're playing Gladbach. They're at Augsburg and they're at home to Mainz. Bayern Munich are playing Hertha, Werder Bremen away, Schalke at home, Leipzig at home and then finish at Cologne. Mm. Who's going to win the title here? Who's winning the title? If there was ever a chance for Borussia Dortmund to get it right, I'm picking Borussia Dortmund. They're coming off their worst patch yet. It started in the Champions League since that second leg defeat to Chelsea. They've wobbled, and now they're getting it right. Getting that win against Leipzig has been the boost that they needed for Bayern. They're entering their worst patch at the worst part of the season, and I think that's what's going to trip them up. The the issues off the field, what's happening up top in the dressing room. I agree. Scenes, that's what's going to cost them the title. I agree. Nigel, new oh champion. Oh my God. We're talking about a title race between Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich, everybody. Oh my, this is, this must be new for me. This must be new. <laughs> Cut the crap. Bayern Munich are going to win the title. Forget everything else. Bayern Munich are always going to win this title. That's I don't what know. I'm, no, I'm I don't know. Bayern. I don't agree. If Bayern don't, don't win it, I owe you a bottle of whiskey and I owe you a bottle of tequila. High-end ones. Let's producer see. Des, producer Des, let's strip, strip this right now. Put it on social yep. media so that put it's it out there. there. Because the uh, me know Nigel has want. a habit of not paying his bets. Yeah, behave. <laughs> yeah, let me know if you want whiskey or German beer. Michael, I know you drink cheap IPA, so I'll bring you a six-pack. <laughs> <laughs> all right boys listen let's get out of here um great show as always uh, really looking forward to tomorrow i will be back again on wednesday at 10 a.m eastern with uh, the one and only fabrizio romano we'll discussing all the latest transfer news and plus uh, i'll get his opinion on a big game as well in the premier league and then the boys will be back at 5 p.m eastern or post the arsenal game at manchester city uh with a little review of that game uh, shout out to everybody who jumped in the comments including ed and vic who have clearly been going at each other at the comments we have <laughs> Almost a record number of comments who have been disagreeing back and forth between each other. We appreciate you all. Uh, thank you, everyone. Nigel, you got something to say? Yeah, mate. Vic, just to let you know, I'm doing my coaching badges as well in Northern Ooh. Ireland. In a couple of weeks, I'll be there. Oh, yeah. well, thanks for telling us. Just letting you guys know. Do you know what I mean? Thanks for telling us. Uh, we'll have record views as soon as you disappear from this show. Uh, listen, thanks to everybody for listening to us, the champions. Take a minute to leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Also available as videos, so subscribe to us on YouTube. Appreciate every single one of you, including Nigel Rio Coker and Michael Lowe. Thank you, boys. See you again. Up the villa. There you go.